everyone. Welcome to another episode of Finding Our Way. It's a Southridge member podcast. My name is Carrie Jones, and today I'm really thrilled to highlight an amazing personal story. If you don't already know her, I'm super happy to introduce you to Karen Buller. So Karen and I actually go way back. Um, fun fact, Karen was my camp counselor when I was in high school. <laughs> um, and we have been in and out of each other's lives pretty much ever since. Karen is a part of our Southridge community and the Vineland location is home to her. So Karen, can you say hello to everyone? Hello. <laughs> good to be here. Awesome. Oh, thanks, Karen. It's so good to have you. Before we dive into um, all that we want to talk about and um, your personal story, you know, we're in the midst of of these crazy COVID days. And so just wanted to ask you, what is bringing you joy and sustaining you in this season? Ooh, <laughs> that's a hard question. Um, mm. COVID's a bit different for sure. It's really changed things. But I would say for me, um, just reading, going for a walk every single day, that's like a real highlight for me. And spending time with John and uh, Shannon Nada and their boys as they're part of my family. So those mm. are my... And working with our Caribbean friends really was a big sustainer for me over the summer months when they were here. Oh, that's amazing. Very cool. So you go for a walk every day. Wow. Pretty much. I mean, I miss the odd day, but I try to go every single day. It keeps me going. <laughs> sure. And is that like a morning routine? Evening? Uh, sometime during the day, whenever it works. Okay. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. So you also mentioned you're a reader yes. and um, whenever I get a chance to host this this podcast I always love to ask what are you reading these days um, <sighs> any favorite books or podcasts <sighs> that you're into that you'd be willing to share yeah um, I just finished reading um, a couple books one was I read um, the book of longings by Sue mm-hmm. Kidd. really enjoyed that I'm um, reading that right now yeah it's a good one and mm-hmm. I also finished um from the Ashes by Jesse Thistle. It's a memoir about an Indigenous um, gentleman, his life growing up. And so it was a hard read, but a good read. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And um, do you feel like you'll be reading more over these next few winter months? Oh, yes. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> For sure. I got some, I want to read some books about, you know, how to be an anti-racist. That's on my bookshelf and a few others, as well as some good fiction. And yeah, I sure. do love to read. So yeah. And pod- yeah, podcasts. Um, my all-time favorite is um, Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. But um, okay. I've been dabbling a bit with some of Brene Brown's and um, Jen Hatmaker's. And then another one that I'm just really getting into is um, Richard Rohr, Another Name for Everything. It looks at themes in his uh, book, The Universal Christ. So okay. also like that. But I feel like I need to listen to that podcast while I'm sitting down and make notes because it's got so much in it. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> oh, those are amazing podcasts. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Karen, I, I know firsthand um, that you've retired recently as a teacher. Can you share with us a little bit about your background as a teacher yeah, and sure. um, how long you've yeah. been retired and maybe what retirement has looked like for you? Sure. So I was a teacher for, um, with the DSBN for 31 years. And before that, I supplied for the DSBN for two and a bit years. Um, yeah. And so I taught um, both junior and primary, mostly primary. Um, 
grades. And as well, I spent uh, the last 10 years of my career as a learning resource teacher as well. So that was a great career. I really liked it. Um, I'm going into my fourth year of retirement now and already four years yeah starting yeah and retirement is busy it's kind of crazy I look back and think how did I have time to <laughs> to work you know before uh-huh. that because it's um, been very very busy but that's good um, yeah that's and awesome. to keep myself busy hmm well, this year's a bit different, so I wouldn't be typical. Um, generally, I volunteer in the boys' classrooms, the ones that are school mm-hmm. age, but because of COVID, that's not happening. Um, sure. I have been doing some labeling with a jam company, and then also my involvement with our Caribbean friends, and then oh. I also um, work part-time for Leader for Leaders, but because of COVID, that's kind of stopped right now, so hopefully okay. in the new year, we can start up again, so... Yeah. Okay, yeah, you have lots on the go. Yeah, I keep myself busy. <laughs> well, you mentioned our um, our Caribbean friends, and yes. I, I want to shift into that conversation and talk about our violent and her cause. Sure. Um, yeah, like I would love it if you would share with our listeners how it is that you came to be involved with our migrant workers and maybe even if you remember how long ago that was. Yeah, so I started right at the very beginning, which I think is – Mm. I'm not even sure the number of years now. I want to say, I think around seven. It might be we might have been doing it. I'm not positive. Um, yeah. So right at the very beginning, when Tim Arnold was the outreach pastor, um, life groups got assigned farms, and so I was part of a life group, and I was assigned um, with my life group team to visit uh, the workers on a specific farm in Jordan, and so that's where I started. So that okay. first year I just was involved with my life group um going with different people to visit the farm and drop off treats and showing up at events and helping get the guys to events and just slowly finding my way doing that and so that's sort of how I started uh probably for the first couple years it was like that where I always went with somebody and just sort of slowly started and then it started to evolve from there when I realized this is hard to be involved when I'm always trying to go with somebody and that's how we first started because that's what they wanted us to do church wanted us to do to you know for safety for women but also out of respect for the men but as I got to know them I realized that I could you know with boundaries and the right things in place I could go on my own to the farm and visit and just you know be wise in how I did that and so yeah that's why I started to happen and for sure that kind of changed it because then I was free to go more often because otherwise I was always trying to find somebody to go with me which is Mm. not as easy right so just that made it easier and then I remember one of my guys I was involved in taking some guys to the clinic with another lady from our life group and I knew he needed to get a prescription but he didn't want to go that night and I realized it's because he probably didn't have the money and stuff so then when we dropped him off I just said um I'll take you this week to get your prescription so you don't have to ride your bike you know, into, into the city or whatever. So he said, okay. Uh-huh. And then I remember getting home and calling Tim and saying, I'm going to drive somebody from my farm, but he's almost like my father. He's like an older gentleman and I feel safe <laughs> doing it. And this is why I'm doing it because I don't want him to ride in. And so he said, okay, I trust your judgment. You know, don't ever put yourself in the wrong kind of situation. And so sure. I did that, but I just knew it was the right thing. And that was good that I was ready to take that next step and become 
more involved and feel more free to to do things on my own and so mm. <laughs> that kind of happened and it was the right decision he had needed to go and he didn't have money that night and so I was just so glad that I was able to drive him and not make him you know in the hot in the hot summer evening sure ride his bike into St. Catharines after working all day in the in the field sort of thing so sure well yeah. and and as as you fast forward a little bit into your journey and just because I, I know a bit about your story I mean, some of these guys have really, like, you've become family to them. Yes. And that is, has that has really changed. And part of that is, like, um, a few years into it, Tim asked me if I would be um, willing to coordinate rides for workers, for right. medical appointments, and as well as events and stuff like that. And so that really changed my involvement. I got to know a way wider um, range of men from different farms as well as from like Trinidad and you know, mm. different countries as well and so that's really changed um, and then but even for my own guys just seeing just spending more time with them and feeling more free to drive them and doing things like that has really changed our relationship to the point where they would say I'm like that we are family we're like yeah. siblings they're my brothers or for some of the younger guys I'm their mother away from home kind of thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And what has, as you've developed these these friendships, these family-like relationships with, with these guys, um, like what has surprised you about that journey? I mean, it, it sounds like in the early days you said yes. You know, yeah. your life group was asked, would you would you uh, come alongside a farm? And, and you said sure. And, you know, fast forward all these years – these these guys are referring to you as their sister or their mother. Um, so what has been surprising about that unfolding journey? It's surprising. The surprising thing for me is just how God used me, an ordinary person, in this unique way that to work alongside these men and to just get to know them and to build these relationships, which if you'd asked me 10 years ago, I couldn't ever picture or imagine this. And it's truly... God's handiwork because I can't even explain how it happened but these mm. men like bless my life more than I bless their lives I leave those farms or I come home from driving somebody and I think I've been blessed like <laughs> I'm trying to do something good for them but they're blessing me <laughs> right so, right yeah. which is such a beautiful picture of the mutual relationship that is available for all of us as we get involved in our anchor causes. I know that's been the experience for my husband, Steve, as well. Like some of his best friends are his Caribbean friends. Yeah. And that didn't happen overnight. No. Um, it, it doesn't, but it's possible if you spend the time in and you – yeah, it just happens. And for sure, I will say going to Jamaica also made a – a big mm. difference in those relationships too, because for the guys on my farm, I say my farm is the farm that my life group was assigned <laughs> to in Jordan. So I just call it my farm. It's not really, I don't own it, but the guys sure. on the farm that I visit um, regularly, me coming to Jamaica was huge for them. It meant so right. much to them that I would come there and, and try to, I try to see as many of them as I possibly could. There's 22 guys on my farm. So I didn't get to see all of them, but I saw a good number that first year. And I got to meet a couple of them, brought their wives and, and children. And one gentleman, we got to drive him home and I met his wife and his grandchildren and nieces. And it was really neat. Wow. And even the men that I didn't know from other farms that other people on the team knew, just even meeting them when they came the next that summer changed. Like we now have, I have a friendship with some of them just from that very first meeting in Jamaica. I didn't know them from here. I met them mm -hmm. in Jamaica and that's, that changed it. So it really does 
it means a lot to the men when we make that trip there and we spend time with them and meet them and then going back the second time you know getting to meet some grandchildren and it's just it's beautiful to see and to see their houses and just the difference having the opportunity to work here makes in the lives of their children and and their family that's so cool so you went this year like Actually, you went right before COVID. Right before right? COVID, we went. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> you went early 2020. And then when was the other trip? Um, it would have been probably two years prior to that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. Um, and do you, when the guys right now, um, I think it's fair to say all of the guys or most of the guys are back home. Yeah. We just have the, unfortunately, our guys from Trinidad are stuck here. They're not right. home yet. They're waiting for flights, but otherwise... The majority of the guys are here. There's probably about mm, just around 30 or so here on our side from Trinidad, roughly, okay. give or take, that are here, stuck here still. So, yeah. Right. And the rest are back home. Yes. And so when your guys are back home, mm-hmm. do you keep in touch with them? Yes. What is that like? Yeah, for sure. Um. I always like there's always like I have WhatsApp that's probably like the common thing that most of the workers use so there's always messages coming in just saying hi or asking you know what's like here or just checking in if things are okay and then also for me as well I might be checking on them because I know it's been there's been a lot of flooding and damage to people's property in Jamaica like landslides and stuff so just checking in and also just checking in once they were home because they had their two-week quarantine just making sure I want to make sure that they were healthy and hadn't got sick on their way home on the flight and everybody was fine and their families are fine so there's always texts going back and forth and then one of the gentlemen from my farm um who I saw both times I was in Jamaica I met his wife and his children um sometimes they'll FaceTime me which is really very special and precious to be able to see them and and talk to them and so yeah Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Right. And because you've been there, you can picture their surroundings and you can picture their family and friends. Which... Yes. I haven't been to all their homes. That's kind of like a future trip dream, but I've seen okay. a few of their homes, but I've got to meet their families and see them and spend some time with them. And that's been really neat, but it has been interesting to have them like even this last time I talked to them they, they were so glad I was there again but they're like we want you to stay longer and we want to mm. take you places or we want you to come and you know like the one wife I want to spend more time talking to you and so just speaking I'm now navigating like how could that what would that look like for me to do that to sort of right further be able to have that freedom to spend that kind of time and and do that so but oh Karen that's amazing yeah that's amazing okay so you're connected to you know, your farm in Jordan with 22 guys. Yes. And then you coordinate and oversee the the driving program of getting guys to appointments and such. Yes. Um, and then you're also on the, the leadership team. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So um, I'm on the Caribbean leadership team. So I meet with um, Nate and there's probably three or four other people on the team and we all have different roles. And so mine's the the driving coordinator role. So we just talked about mm-hmm. the logistics of, you know, checking in how driving is going. The bulk of it being um, guys needing rides for um, appointments, follow-up appointments from being at the clinic. So the doctors ordered blood tests or seeing a specialist or whatever it might be, going to get their eyes checked. So we provide that transportation. But as well, looking at different events that we're hosting, whether it be church or mm-hmm. clinics or special events, sometimes life groups, can't meet the needs of driving their groups, so then we're asked to step in and do that. 
as right. well as um, sometimes it was just because I've gotten to be known by a lot of the men on different farms being involved in this role for a while. Um, we'll have requests that somebody needs to go shopping really badly for something and can't manage it on their bike or they've found something on Kijiji or Facebook Marketplace and need a ride to go back <laughs> it, you know? So. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Okay. And so I'm just thinking for people that are listening today yes. and want to get involved and maybe they have some time and they could do some driving. Um, are you looking for more drivers? Oh, we are always looking for more drivers. Yes, I will not say no to drivers. And generally, um, you know, the bulk of the driving would happen for sure like over a lunch hour because we try really hard with appointments. Mm. For, um, well, I don't. The Quest um, Outreach Nurse for Migrant Workers, Agricultural Workers, um, she tries really hard to book appointments over the lunch hour as close to lunch hour as possible. So, you know, generally about an hour to hour and a half commitment. Sometimes it's longer if it's going to be a specialist appointment or things like that. But generally we kind of have a heads up. So, okay. And yeah, so you might, you know, be asked to drive once a week. Sometimes when it's really busy, it might be more. And then just we're always needing people who are kind of flexible and be available because the reality is there's sometimes there's those last minute requests, right? Or just, I need a ride today to go get this thing, you know? And so it's just like sure. scrambling to find that. So, yeah. Sure. Okay. So, and if people are listening, you know, to this podcast, want to get involved, the best way is to contact you directly? Sure. Talk to Nate or your location pastor, Nate Dirks, okay. your location pastor, or you can even contact me. That'd be great. We will not turn away people who want okay. to be involved. Oh, that's so good to know. <laughs> Um, when we were talking about, you know, what is sustaining you, um, and bringing you joy during COVID, you mentioned these, these guys that you walk alongside. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just imagining your life, Karen, you know, from those early spring days, right yeah. until probably just a few weeks ago, yeah. that's the season when, when the guys are here. And so again, for people that aren't familiar with, with, um, you know, what that might be like, could you just paint a picture for us of what a typical week would be like for you and, and how you might be um, involved in their lives? Yeah. So a typical week um, would be, I, for sure, I would be going to visit the, visit my farm and the 22 guys on my farm, I might pop by, you know, at lunch hour sometimes, or I might come by in the evening after supper and just pop in, just say hi to them and check in, see how they're doing, that kind of thing. Um, it will also involve me sometimes giving the guys from my farm a ride because they're always watching the the money exchange and the money rates. And so they'll suddenly want to ride to mm -hmm. Money Mart because it's a good, um, they can get more Jamaican dollars for their money, that kind of thing. So they'll quickly want to change. So I might give them the ride to that or they're just really tired and just want to go to Foodland and pick up some chicken to have for supper and not have to cook. So, you know, I might give them some rides like that. Um, as well as I'll have guys from other farms sometimes just checking in on WhatsApp, especially this past year with COVID when we couldn't go see people. So lots of texting back and forth, checking in how they're doing. Um, okay. And then I would help coordinate rides for all my drivers to take guys to appointments as well as drive myself. I sometimes I drive guys to appointments as well or taking mm. them shopping. Um, yeah. And doing not as many Facebook marketplace runs, but a few this year. Um, sure. Yeah. And just, I don't know, just driving around the neighborhood or out for a walk and seeing the guys in the orchards working and saying hello kind of thing. So that's kind of a um, 
typical week for me. Okay. So, okay, yeah. that's a pretty full week. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can I can see why retirement is a busy season for yeah. you. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's so good. Um if we can just like shift gears a little bit. Yes. I love to think about and, and even dream about the future with you. Um Karen, I know from from being your friend and from hearing you as we as we talk today, just what a strong heart you have for justice. Um, and I'm wondering, like, what are some of the injustices that you've seen regarding our migrant farm workers? Um, yeah. Or what are some of the ways that you'd love things to change for them as they work here in Canada? I guess some of the things like we have a broken system, like we've inherited the system, the way it's been set where they come on a, you know, closed work permit and that kind of thing has really made guys tied to their farmer and, and not all farms are equal. There are really great farms and farmers out there, but then there are some that don't treat their guys as well or don't have the best kind of housing for them and stuff like that. And so I would really like to, and COVID has drawn attention to that, you know, which okay. is very sad that, you know, workers have gotten very, very ill and that's not good. But the the one plus out of it is that it has made the government aware that, oh, we need to look at these migrant workers who are essential workers yeah. and how we treat them. And they're realizing that they're not being treated well and we need to change that. And so I would like to see some of the, they're looking at housing standards. And so I really hope that they have, they make some changes in housing standards. And as well, um, they've been talking about, you know, um, having um, status for them. Right. Right. And, right. And so, um, so full immigration status so that they're not, that would be a really good thing as well because then they would have more access and rights to things and stuff like that. So, yeah. Okay. And as you think about our community here at Southridge, um, you know, how can we all be a part of that solution and, and specifically what things can we be praying for along those lines? Well, I think we can be praying that um, the government, you know, just would look as they're looking at the whole system as it exists now for um, migrant mm. agricultural workers, that they, as they're looking at the program and at housing, do things that they rec- they see the need for change, that those changes would be coming about so we could pray for you know, housing standards for open work permits and those kinds of things, that'd be really good that they would start to make those changes to the system so that when a farmer is not treating their worker very well, um, Mm. they have the option to go somewhere else. Right now they don't. They're they're tied to that farm and they're stuck there. They either stick with it or they give up and go home and then they may not get back on the program again. So just praying for those kinds of changes would be really good. Um, There's... um, the Migrant Rights Network organization that people can, you can Google that and you can become involved with that. You can sign petitions, help write letters to the, write a letter to the prime minister or to your MP um, seeking justice for that, for migrant workers. Those are things mm. that we can do as a community as well. Okay. Those are really good practical steps. That's amazing. Very cool. Um just thinking about somebody who might be listening to this podcast and, you know, maybe they're in the place that you were seven or eight years ago and they're considering getting involved in our anchor cause in Vineland, but they're not really sure. What would you want to say to that person? I would say, do it. You will not be sorry. Even Mm. though I was nervous when we first started and it was awkward and hard at first <laughs> yeah you know and I just thought this feels really it was just not hard like more weird and uncomfortable hard in that sure. kind of sense because we just didn't really know what we were doing we we're just kind of finding our way and for the workers they didn't know who we were and 
and it's certainly probably easier now becoming involved because at least um, the workers on the farms here know us and they know who we are and what Southridge is about. And so they're pretty open yeah. to it. But I would just say, jump in and do it. Like do what you can do, even if it's just driving once a week for an hour or coming out to an event that we have and talking to a few guys. It's, yes. I don't think you will not regret it. You won't be sorry. I don't ever regret it. I love every opportunity that I get to be alongside mm. these men and talk to them and their families and help in any small way because it, it changes you. It changes your life, but in a good way. Oh, that's amazing. Karen, are you already dreaming of your next trip to Jamaica? Yes. <laughs> As I said, I'm trying to figure out how I can go on my own and yes. you know, where I would stay so I could spend more time with the families of um, right. men from my farm because they really want that to happen so that I could go and see where they live and they would t- they have sites they want to take me to to see and stuff like that. And so that would be really neat. And just this past year when I was there, two of the workers from my farm both had um, – baby their wives had babies just before okay. I came so I got to meet like two of the little boys who were like a couple months old and it was so special to get to hold them and see them and I would mm. love to be able to spend more time it was hard to just have those few minutes to hold them and then have to leave I thought I want to stay here so sure. yeah oh that's amazing Amazing. Any other thoughts you would want to share with our listeners? Any questions that I I haven't asked or anything, you know, that's just burning within you that you're dying to share? Hmm. I don't know. Um, Hmm. I mean, this has been, this has been so insightful to get a glimpse into your role and your relationship. And and you're just a really beautiful example of friendship that makes a difference in in a way that is mutual in a way that blesses both, um, both lives yes it definitely blesses your life I as I said I feel like it blesses me more than them but it's definitely very mutual and they have things to offer us in return which is really great and I would say Mm. if you're that's the only thing I would say is if you're a bit nervous to sort of get involved and maybe you know driving isn't your thing there's like you could help out with events like maybe it's sort of more behind the scenes where you're just helping serve food at some of our events when we get back to non-covid days or you know or volunteering in the clinic or there's different things like that there are other ways we can plug you in that maybe aren't so like to sort of ease you in so it's not so overwhelming so sure that's good wisdom yeah really good but yeah and thank you you won't regret it you will not regret it it. okay that's my takeaway you will not regret it okay all right you will not regret it that is a great place to land today oh well karen thank you so so much for joining us it's been so meaningful to hear your story and i think i can speak for all of us when i say that we are absolutely inspired by your heart and just incredibly grateful to have you as a part of our church family so thank you karen well thank you it's good to be a part of Southridge as well so thank you and i enjoy it and i love my violent family so thank you mm, amazing and everyone listening thank you for joining us we will see you next week as we continue finding our way together take care everyone Bye.